0: Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. What I'm going to talk about today is this thing called fasting. And we have, every year, we do what we call a corporate fast in January. So here's the dates, pencil it in. It's Wednesday, January 5th through Tuesday, January 25th coming up. And uh, on Wednesday, the 26th, guess what we're going to do? We're going to have an all-worship night. So if you've never been in an all-worship night, we just do praise and worship, and then we allow God to do whatever he wants to do. So we'll be doing that live in Bourbon, live here in Warren, and I'm really, really excited about that. We'll kind of be celebrating after the fast. So I'm talking about what's going to happen in January. And I just want to make sure you understand, there's a lot of eating days between now and January, so I don't want this to ruin your holidays, right? You have Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, Christmas Day, the week between Christmas and New Year's, right, for most of us. There's a lot of eating days, so don't, don't worry about that. But I think it's good to begin to think, What am I gonna do through this corporate fast? And some of you may have never fasted ever. Maybe you don't feel comfortable praying. And I really believe what I teach today will make you wanna jump in. You can jump in at whatever level you're ready to jump in. And so I have watched God do amazing things. What I love about our corporate fast is we encourage people to put lists together. What do you wanna see God do in your life? What do you wanna see God do in the life of your loved ones? And then when I hear people after that fast, they let me know, this is what God did. I, w- I was praying for this, and this happened in my parents' life, this happened in my kids' life, this happened in my mates' life, this happened in my life. It's really an exciting time. So I, w- I want that to happen in your life coming up in 2022. And I really believe it. it's accelerated when we fast. So most of you know I grew up Catholic and I went through parochial schools. And one of the things we did as Catholics is we fasted through Lent. And Lent ends on Easter, and all they do is, whenever Easter is, they go back um, 46 days. And it's a 40-day period, but you get Sundays off, so Sundays you can pig out, do whatever you want. But they ask you to to fast for Lent, right? And so my go-to, what I did almost the whole time through junior high and high school, was I gave up candy, and I would just give up candy for Lent, which meant I couldn't have chocolate chip cookies because they have candy in them, right? But I could have peanut butter cookies. I could have oatmeal raisin cookies. I, I could have ice cream. I could have cinnamon rolls, my favorite cinnamon rolls. I could eat cinnamon rolls. And and I could eat any junk I wanted. I just gave up candy. And so that's what I grew up understanding about fasting. And I kind of brought it into my born-again Christian life, thinking that's what fasting means. You just give something up you like And because you gave it up, God answers your prayers. So my whole mentality was I gave this up so God's going to listen to my prayers finally because he hasn't been listening to them. Now he's going to listen to them. And I want us to walk out today not believing that anymore, right? Because um, I want us to realize that if you give something up, that's not gonna twist God's arm. Fasting has a much deeper meaning. It's just absolutely an amazing tool that God gave us. In the Bible, it's always coupled together with prayer. So it's a beautiful thing. It's something that will change our lives forever, and it really causes things we put on that list to be answered. So I have a big idea for this lesson. It's what I want us to walk out understanding more clearly than ever, and it goes like this. Fasting positions us for change. And so the question you and I wanna ask is what would we like to change in our lives? is there anyone here that wouldn't like something in their life to change? Or what would you like to see change in a relationship? What would you like to see changed in a friend's life, a loved one's life, our parents' life? I remember when my parents were still here when they were alive, uh, as they aged, they were going through physical things, so I would on my list I'd always have something for my parents to be better, you know, for them to be healed. And or maybe it's your kids or your grandkids. What do you want to see happen? in somebody else's life, or in your life. So fasting positions us to see change in our life. So that's, that to me is exciting. And by the time I'm finished, I want you to believe that statement. I want you to see that statement very clearly. So I came up with three things I think you and I should understand about fasting, which will help this big idea come to pass. And the first one's really important, and it goes like this. Prayer moves God. And obviously, God's sovereign. He can do whatever he wants, but prayer is the vehicle that releases him to move on the earth. Fasting doesn't move God. Giving up candy doesn't move God. Giving up anything doesn't move God. It positions you to help bring change because it's going to impact your prayer life. But is what moves God. And there's a beautiful text here in the Bible. It's in Luke chapter 11. And I love this text because this text deals with the disciples asking Jesus, they're saying to Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And so he gives them in Luke chapter 11, verses one through four, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And that's really important for what we're going to see today. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Very powerful prayer. But what's cool in Luke 11 Verses one, two, three, and four, he gives us that, but he doesn't stop teaching us about prayer. They asked him a question. Would you teach us how to pray? He, the whole chapter is about you and I learning how to pray, and it's dealing with a different type of prayer. Um, you and I are very familiar here with Mark 11, 24, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, you shall have them. That's called praying in faith or the prayer of faith, and that's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about intercessory prayer, and supplication to heaven, just asking God to do things for other people and for us. And it's a prayer you can pray over and over and over again, and you just keep praying. So he wanted us to understand that. I used our father that way when I pray for people. And he went on, and the first thing he did was he gave us a parable because he's teaching us how to pray. So he said, you need to understand the principle in this parable. So parables in the Bible are really cool. Uh, They're never exact, right? They're just meant to bring a principle across. So they won't be an exact, an exact example, just bring us a principle. But he gives us this cool parable, and here it is. It reads in Luke 11:5. then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread a friend of mine is on a journey, or who's on a journey, uh, has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. So there's a couple friends here, right? So first of all, just notice midnight. In the New Testament, midnight's always referring to the darkest hour in somebody's life. It's, It's the midnight hour. It's the dark hour. So you have a guy and his friend's on a journey. So that means his friend's walking through life, and he comes to him, and he says, I need some I need to stay with you and, he, and, this, and I have a problem and this is what's going on in my life and the guy doesn't even have bread for him. So now he's going to God, God's the other friend and he's asking God to give him bread, give us today our daily bread for his friend because he doesn't have an answer to his friend's midnight. He doesn't have an answer to his friend's problem. So listen to what happens next, verse seven. And suppose the one inside answers, this would be God, don't bother me, the door's already locked and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Now, we know God doesn't sleep. We know he doesn't have little kids. We're all his kids if we accept Jesus. But this is not exact, but what's it teaching? You're asking heaven to do something and heaven doesn't respond. And that's what this parable is about. Heaven isn't responding. You went to heaven for some bread for your friend. Your friend needs something that you don't have to give them. They need something higher and stronger and better than us. And so you're asking heaven for it and heaven isn't answering. So what do we do? Here's the big part of this parable. It's really cool. Verse eight. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shamelessness, audacity. He will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So the the whole principle here, Jesus wants you to pick up, is heaven's not answering, and you need to have shameless audacity. That's bold persistence. He's saying, don't stop asking. Don't walk away from the door of heaven. You just keep going after it, praying it, praying it, saying, God, I need some bread. God, I have this Problem in my life, and I want to see a change. It's on my list because I need to see a change. God, I'm praying for my loved one, and I need to see a change in their life. And He's saying, You need shameless audacity. Don't stop. Don't stop. Jesus teaches us to pray. Well, here's a prayer. Here's an outline, the Our Father. Now I want to make sure you approach this with shameless audacity. Then He makes it more real. He gives us a little teaching. And here's what He says in His teaching Luke. 11.9. So I say to you, still talking about prayer, how do we pray? Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. So first of all, different ways to pray. Asking is just general prayer, Lord, I need this. Knocking is referring to, hey, God, God, Would you open a door so I can share Christ with my loved ones? God, would you open a door and give me the direction my life's supposed to go? And seeking's pretty simple, right? God, I don't understand this. God, I need to know what my purpose is, why I'm alive. I need to understand this part of the Bible. And so it's just different things we're praying. But it's very powerful, but it doesn't fit the parable. But here's why it doesn't fit. In the original language, the original Greek, it's in the continuous tense, And it's dealing with you and I having shameless audacity when we're praying. And so uh, the Amplified Bible brings the tents out. And I love the way they bring the tents out. And here's how it reads. It's Luke 11 in verse 9. So I say to you, ask and keep on asking, shameless audacity, and it shall be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you shall find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks and keeps asking receives, and he who seeks and keeps seeking finds, and him who knocks and keeps knocking, the door shall be opened. What is Jesus teaching us? There's a form of prayer, intercessory prayer, supplication made to heaven, praying for others, praying for ourselves, where you need shameless audacity. You need to just stay on it and stay on it. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, and heaven's gonna give you that bread, right? It's coming but you need to be bold about it. And then Jesus wanted to make sure you and I didn't look at God the wrong way because in the parable, we could look at God like he doesn't want to help us. But that's not true. He was just using a natural example to get that one point across, shameless audacity. So then he closes out to make sure we understand the heart of God. And I love this, Luke eleven eleven. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? not one normal father in the whole world. Um, or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion, not one normal father in the world. Well, verse 13, if you then, though you are evil, and that means you're a sin-stained human being, not that you're a terrible person, you're just a natural person. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, and we do, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And this is powerful. Matthew 7:11 the same thing instead of the holy spirit it says good things. But the holy spirit is very appropriate because remember the context God, I need bread from heaven. I need heaven to do what I can't do. I can't help myself. I can't become free on my own. I can't help my loved one. I I don't have an answer. I need heavenly bread. And so the Holy Spirit is God, the Holy Spirit. And notice how God's gonna release him into your situation, your loved one's situations, to do what God does. So he's not talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit, God, I'd like to be filled with the Spirit. That's, that's in the Bible. That's true, but that's not what this is about. You can use it that way, and it's fine, but it's talking about, I need bread. I need heaven to fix this. I need heaven to answer this. I need you, and then God says, I'm going to release that into your life, but what did Jesus teach us when it comes to prayer? Shameless audacity. Be bold and persistent, because why? Prayer moves God. I like to say this about Fasting. Fasting energizes prayer, and it really does, and we're going to see that. It just puts an energy in prayer that it's different when you're fasting and praying than when you're just praying, although we pray all through the year and we're not always fasting, but it energizes our prayer. So prayer moves God. Here's the second point. Fasting creates urgency and cleanses our our soul. It creates an urgency. And it reminds me of what we call foxhole religion. And back in World War II, they began to dig trenches when we were at war, and our soldiers would be in the trench, and they'd be facing the enemy, and uh, bullets would be flying over their head, but they're ducking in the trenches. But what really got them is a bomb would blow up 20 feet away, and they're like, oh, I hope they don't adjust it to hit me, right, because I'm done if it hits me. And so what they would do, even atheists, there are no atheists when bullets are being fired, let me tell you. Even atheists say, God... If you come through, if you get me through this, I'll serve you forever. And that's foxhole religion. And what creates it? Uh, A dilemma creates it, right? Uh, That that situation creates it. And so we don't want to be like that because most of those guys, when they got out, they, they, they walked away from God for a while. But what fasting does is it just creates this dilemma in our life, this urgency. And then guess what we do? Man doesn't live by bread alone. What do we do? we fill it with the Bible, we read the Bible a little extra, um, we fill it with prayer, we fill it with God. So there's those seasons in our life. We're doing a 21-day fast, but you know maybe your fast will just be Wednesdays, where uh, you know, you're going to pray with us at night, and then you're going to do water all day Wednesday, no food. Maybe that's going to be the bulk of your fast. I don't know, we'll all do it different, right? But the idea is we fast, to create an urgency. So that's why I opened with my story. Giving up candy didn't create an urgency because I replaced it with ice cream. Right? There's no urgency there at all. I wasn't uh, in, in any dilemma whatsoever. But the idea is, here I am fasting, and the only thing that can satisfy it is God. And you create that window in your life where I'm going to do that for this amount of time. And for me, I have to also give up media because I will anesthetize myself with media, right? I can give up food and be hungry, but at night I could just binge watch something and it takes my mind off it, so I give up both. In Bible days, they didn't have media. I can spend four hours on YouTube and just forget where the time went, right? Or Instagram, or whatever it is, TikTok, wherever you hang out, right? So I give them both up. I have a definition for fasting, so here's a Bible definition. Fasting is a voluntary abstinence, From food and other comforts and stimulants that creates a desperate physical and mental hunger that we satisfy by spending more time pursuing God through prayer and seeking His face. So here's why I like the 21 day fast. At night, I'm miserable and I'm not allowed to eat anything, and I'm miserable and I'm not watching anything. So only God's left, guys, or go to bed, right? So it's like, well, I'm gonna read my Bible more. I'm gonna pray more. I'm gonna take that list out and I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna bang on heaven's door for God to move. And it's just a time where we have more of God and God time in our life. And, and it laser focuses everything. Listen to this, listen to this. Another reason we fast. Fasting creates and increases spiritual hunger, breaks the grip this world has on us, and makes us more sensitive to God's will, voice, and purpose, while releasing spiritual life and power into our lives. And that's a mouthful, but that's what's happening. So this is another reason I love fasting. Uh, as I walk through the year, this world gets a grip on me. It gets a hold on me. And I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about the good things of this world. This world has a lot of good things that I like. I enjoy them, right? I enjoy entertainment. I enjoy, I enjoy sports. I enjoy... Um, Movies and I could binge watch a movie or whatever it is, you know, uh, something that has 10 episodes. I could binge watch that. And so I enjoy those things and I enjoy a lot of things in this world. And so, what I find as I walk through the year, this world gets more and more of a hold of me. So, when I fast for that 21 days, it cleanses my soul, it kind of breaks. Some of the hold this world has on me. And it just reboots my spiritual life. So if a pastor needs that, I'm guessing we all probably need it sometime in our life where we reboot like that. Jesus talked about this in the parable of the sower. We talked about it last week for another area, but we want to talk about a different one this week. Remember, Jesus used the example of a farmer planting seed. He gave us four types of soil, which represent the human heart, and he said there was a farmer that went out, and he planted his seed, and it was really good ground. It was plowed. It was fertilized. The seed went in. The seed sprouted out, but he said he planted it amongst thorns, and the thorns came up, and these are Bible thorns, so they're not like modern-day rose plant thorns. But they were a plant that would come up and it would wrap around the good plant, whether it was you know, tomato or whatever, it would wrap around it and then it would squeeze it out and that plant couldn't bring water from its roots. The water was blocked and then it brought no fruit to perfection. And so Jesus is talking there about there are thorns that can get into our soul, into our heart. So here's his explanation of it. It goes like this, Mark 4:18. Still others like seed sown among thorns Hear the word, so it's always based on what God said, reading the Bible, hearing it taught like you are now. But the worries or cares of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. That's why I like that reboot, right? So there's three things here. I don't have any problem with the deceitfulness of riches. That's not an issue. I doubt that it's an issue for anyone listening to me. But that, if, if you have a deceitfulness of riches you will lie, cheat, steal, and step over anybody to make money. So I don't know that there's too many of you that are like that. But the first one, the cares of this life, the worries of this life, that can get into our heart and choke things out. But how about the third one, the desire for other things? Those don't have to be sin. They can be good things, like I already said, and they just choke out God in our life. So that's why I like fasting. It just kind of cleans it all out. There's a Proverbs that talks about that. Proverbs 27, verse seven. When you are full, you will refuse, honey. But when you are hungry, even bitter foods taste sweet. Can we all agree that that's true? And I'll tell you a story. This happened just over 30 years ago. Um, I went to this holistic doctor back then, and I was just looking to make my health better And he said, I have the perfect thing for you. He did all this blood work and showed me everything that was wrong with me. And he said, I want you to go on my seven, seven fast. I had no idea what that was. But it was seven days and seven days, so two weeks. And he said, the first seven days, all I want you to do is drink juice. And it wasn't the good juice from the grocery store with lots of sugar in it. It was, I had to buy a juicer and juice greens and vegetables and carrots and and fruits. And I had never done that in my life. I had never tasted a juice, a fresh juice in my life. And, and he said, I want you to do it for seven days. And I thought, that won't be too tough. Well, by the third day, I was curled up in a ball, and I, I couldn't move. I, I, took, I had to take vacation days to finish out the seven days. My body was detoxing. I did it all for health, not spiritual reason. And I had never experienced such a nightmare in my entire lifetime. It was awful. I had to ask Gina to help me not quit. I said, I'm gonna, I want to do this, but I need help. And then he limited the amount of juice, so he wouldn't even let me pig out on juice. And so then the second seven, guess what I was allowed to eat? I went off to juice, and I was allowed to chew on fruit for breakfast. I could eat fruit for breakfast. And I wasn't a fruit eater back then. And it's like, this stuff is really good. And then for lunch, I was allowed to have a salad, but it wasn't with you know, ranch dressing and bacon and... It was pure vegetables with vinegar and oil, right? And I could have steamed vegetables with it. I'm like, I never ate a steamed vegetable in my life. I'm telling you, I never tasted one. We, we stir fried our vegetables in oil, man. They were, they were good and uh, they tasted good. So I, I'm sharing a story for this reason. I've been into that steamed vegetable and I never tasted anything so good. It was like, this is beautiful. I'm chewing. I taste things I never tasted before. And then lunchtime was the same salad, or dinner time was the same salad. And I could have either a baked potato or a lean piece of meat or fish. And the baked potato couldn't put butter on it or any of the fixings, but I would, could eat it with my salad. And it, I never thought a potato could taste so good, right? And here's why I share it. Here's what the proverb's saying When you fast, God becomes sweeter. And it does. Every time I fast, God becomes more real, more sweet, more tasty, and he's not bitter like the Bible is talking in this proverb, but he just becomes more desirable. So that's another reason I like to fast, to cleanse my soul and to hear from heaven. So here's point 3. Point 3 is this. Fasting creates laser-focused prayer, and it really does. So laser, you guys know, it's just it's just a light. It's just a condensed light, and the same light that comes on our face and makes a nice tan, when they condense that light, it can, it can literally burn through four or five inches of steel. And that's what fasting does. It takes our regular prayers, and it literally makes them a laser beam. And we see more results from our prayer because of fasting. And there's a story in the Bible, an example. It has to do with the Apostle Paul. So I want you to think about it. He's the guy that wrote three quarters of the New Testament. And he's the one that took Jesus to the non-Jewish world, the whole known world that didn't know Jesus. He was the first one to take Jesus to them. But he's a new Christian now. He doesn't know what to do with his life. He just accepted Jesus. And watch what he did. Acts 13.1. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, that's the apostle Paul. His name was changed to Saul. So here he is with these other people. And listen to verse two. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, here's the bread from heaven, Set, a, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. I want you to just see the laser focus. Here's a guy, a new Christian. Some of you are listening right now in Boardman, uh, TCI, online here in Warren, and you think, I never fasted in my life, you know? And, and you're just thinking, well, maybe I'll try, maybe I'll try. Guys, here's a guy, new Christian, doesn't know how God's gonna use him, but he's worshiping, fasting, praying, and then God shows him his purpose. He's, he's, he was the most important person ever after Jesus, ever. None of us will ever do what he did. He finished writing the Bible. God used him to write the rest of the Bible. Uh, he brought Jesus to the known world. He was the first to bring Jesus anywhere. That's like amazing. He pioneered new ground. And here he is. He's fasting, and God shows him his purpose, and he wants to show you some things about your purpose in your life. He wants to do some things for you. He wants to do some things for me. He wants to change our loved one's life. He wants to do all these things. So I want to close with asking two questions, and here's the first question. You guys ready for it? Uh, What will your fast look like? And that's a question you have to answer, right? So what is it going to look like? Last year, we had a lot of people, uh, what they did is they water fasted only. They, no food, they just drank water on Wednesdays. So they did three Wednesdays, and that was their big day. And they created this dilemma in their life. And Wednesday night, they prayed with us, and then they read their Bible more. They read their Bible when they were going to have breakfast. They read their Bible. They prayed a little bit at lunchtime, and and God did amazing things. So maybe you want to start that way, or maybe you just you know, want to skip a meal every day. Um, I was thinking about what I was gonna do, and I would never share it except I'm a pastor and I just give examples, I have to, but uh, I'm gonna just give up dinner for 21 days, so I'm gonna eat my breakfast and my lunch, and then I'll be dying at dinner time because I, I love dinner, and uh, and I won't eat it, and, and, and then I'm gonna take that time and some extra time and I'm gonna just pray my list and pray for you guys, pray for the church, and I'm going to read my bible more and seek god's face more. So that's what I thought I would do. Gina and I were talking after service last week and she was just saying she's not sure yet. She's still thinking about it. So I want you to think about it. What's your what's your 21-day fast going to look like? And can I just encourage you to do this? Just make sure make it hurt a little bit so you you go to god, right? I'm also going to give media up because uh, I just it helps me to give media up. Uh, so I'll give it up, but I'm a little carnal. I, it's just, I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, I, I, I make a deal with God, and I told Gina, I said it last night, and Gina was like, no, no, you shouldn't do that, Joe. But here's what I do. I say, God, I'm giving up 100% media except when the NFL plays, all right? Now right? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna watch some playoff games, and I'm gonna watch college playoffs. And so for some of you think, shame on you, Pastor Joe. I just look at it this way. If it's between not giving up media or only giving up 18 days of media, right? Um, It's better to give up, I think, 18 days. So that's how I do it. And I'm not looking at it as like a candy bar. So I look at it different. It's it's just my time that I don't wanna substitute eating with media, but I'm gonna watch a couple games. Now, I won't eat during those games, but I'm gonna watch them, right? So ask God what your fast will look like. And then the second thing is really important. What will be on your list? That's a good question. And here's what I want to ask you. I want to look at you guys. Here's what I'm asking Borman, I'm asking you. I'm asking the guys at TCI. I'm asking our online campus. What's gonna be on your list? What is happening in your life that you don't like? What's going on right now in your life that you'd like to see change? Put that on your list. What's going on in a relationship you have that you'd like to see change? What's going on in a loved one's life that you'd like to see changed. I notice, as grandparents, I care more about my kids and grandkids than I do myself. You know, It's like, I wanna see their lives. I wanna see everything breakthrough I can in their lives. So uh, where do you wanna see breakthrough? Put that on the list. And then you know what we're gonna do, and I'm gonna help you do it. We're gonna do it together. Pastor Joe's gonna help you over in Borman, Pastor Aaron, we're gonna do it here we're going to help you pray for that list. And we're going we're to give time to God and we're going to see God answer prayer. So as I close this service down, I want to ask a question. I, I, know, I don't want to ask this question, are you excited about fasting? Because we're not going to get a great response on that one. I'm not excited about fasting. I'm excited about the results, right? Fasting positions us for change. I'm not excited about giving up dinner for 21 days, but I'm excited about the positives that will come out of it. But here's what I want to ask us. Are you excited that you can pray, and, and God can move in our lives, and that fasting positions us to see change in our life. If you're excited about what God can do in your life, and the life of people you love, can we just give it up for God and say, thank you, God. We're so excited for what he can do. We really are. Now, we're going to pray. Just remember, you have a lot of eating days before we fast, but let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to teach this part of the Bible, and Father, just to put us in the right mindset for 2022 and for this January time. Lord, here's our heart's prayer as we bow our heads. Show us what we should put on our list. Inspire us. And show us how we can step in. For some, Lord, it's the first time. So show them how to step in the first time. And Lord, for others, we've been doing this for years. And show us what this year holds so we can do what we need to do this year. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you that prayer moves you, that you taught us the sovereign God hears our prayers. We thank you for teaching us about shameless audacity. May we take it up a notch in our bold persistence, Lord, in our prayer life. We thank you that there's hope and we can put anything on that list. So, Lord, thank you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I really believe God's ministering still speaking to hearts, and as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, maybe you're listening, and you're not sure of your eternity. You're not sure if you were to die, if you'd go to heaven or to hell. Maybe you're not even sure if you believe in God. So I want you to listen very closely. Here's what I'm asking, or here's what I'm not asking. I'm not asking you to join our church or religion. I'm not asking you if you grew up in a church. I'm not asking you if you're a member of a church. I'm not asking you if you're water baptized as a baby or an adult, all great things. But here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day in your life where you made it personal with Jesus and you accepted him as your savior? You know, the Bible teaches there's only one way to heaven and it's through Jesus. It's not through our works. It's not through being a member of a church. It's only one way to heaven. It's by accepting Jesus Christ as our savior. And here's what else the Bible teaches. Only God can open your eyes up to Jesus. I can't, I can't force them on you. Only God can. And I really believe this weekend there's some folks... It's your weekend for Jesus. It's your weekend for him to open up your eyes. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day in your life when you prayed and made Jesus Christ your Lord? If not, why not right now? Why not pray with me? So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Everyone else here that knows Jesus, can we help them pray? In Boardman here, online help out, and TCI help out. Let's just pray. And if you're praying this for the first time, simply meet it. Say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm sin-stained and I need a savior. I repent of all my sins and I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. You died for the sins of the entire world. God the Father raised you from the grave. You're alive, you're the savior. I accept you as my savior, and I make a decision to follow you. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc